welcome to C3 Church Queens Beach Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. Today, we pray as you hear from our special guest that you'll be inspired to live your best life. So great to have you here today. I think I would be remiss if I didn't say, Go Eagles! Come on! <laughs> what an incredible time for our state. It's so exciting. My goodness. I'm not even a massive football fan, but I was just so on edge. I actually nearly cried when they won. I was so excited. <laughs> like, if I'm doing that, what are the hardcore fans like? It's good. Good to have fun and celebrate together in the community. So we're going to be, I'm going to be sharing from Hebrews 6 today, and it's called Right From The Start. So in 2016... Steve and I took our family to Italy. It was my long service leave. And while we were there, we visited the Tower of Pisa. And we took the obligatory photos that you have to take. I think Lockie's going to show some. That he's not showing them because he's in them. <laughs> you know the one where the tower was leaning and you're holding it up and all of that. We sort of took all of those. And it's a classic example of incorrect foundations being laid. It's built in the town of Pisa, which in the Greek means marshy land. Now that probably should have been the first warning, do not build something there, let alone a massive tower. It took two centuries to build and it was already tilting by the time just the third story was built. Yeah, And then by the time that they built the fourth story, it actually leaned and went the opposite way. Again, a bit of a warning sign, maybe we should just stop there. <laughs> not too good. Um, it, and at one stage, um, you know, there were just, things were crumbling around. It was just absolutely crazy. And many attempts over the centuries to fix it, especially now because it's dangerous and we don't want the tourists to die. So they've been doing lots of work. They are pumping in millions of dollars to try and fix this thing. And when we were at um, Pisa, I had a look through the museum and I spent a lot of time uh, listening to all the different ways that they had tried to fix this. It was absolutely fascinating. Um, even in the 40s, Mussolini's men drilled hundreds of holes into the tower's foundation and pumped in tonnes of grout. But the heavy cement caused the base to sink deeper into the soil and <laughs> resulted in the lean becoming worse. <laughs> but recently they have had some success. They've Tunnels dug to enable soil extraction. They've also used steel cables and they've dug drains so the water could flow away into wells. And, and this is all because there were poor foundations. You know, the strength of a foundation sets the limits to what can be built above, both in size and in weight. And it's a great importance for us in our Christian life too. We can't build a successful life more than what your foundations will permit. We need to make things right from the start. Have you laid the right foundation? 1 Corinthians 3, 9 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we're working together with God. We are his building. He's the master builder. He's the architect. But take heed how we build that we have Jesus Christ as the foundation because anything else will not stand the test of time. We are his new creation, his spiritual home, but we're still under construction. <laughs> so examine our own life and say, am I right? Is my foundation right? And we had a great message from Dave Brewer a few weeks ago and he was talking about what we build on. In Luke 6:48, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice is like a man building a house 
who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. Are we ready to hear his words today? Put them into practice and build a solid foundation. We want to dig deep to reach that bedrock. There's a lot of scripture today because we want to base things on the word of God. It doesn't matter about my opinion. We need to see what God says through his word today. You might even want to take notes because there's going to be some scriptures you might want to go through in the following week. So we can sometimes build on the wrong foundations. And one of these is traditions. Mark 7, 3 says, They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have to let go of the commands of God. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. In verse 9, and he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Thus you nullify, make the word of God to no effect by your tradition that you have handed down. And you do many things like that. So it's his words that we need to hear and put into practice, not what man or tradition has told us that we're to do. Otherwise, it makes the word of God no effect at all. It's it's so important that our ways of acting and our words that we speak are in line with the scripture. You think, well, but we come to church, that's the way we've always done it. Well, let's have a look. Does it line up with the Word of God and the Scripture? Make sure how we are living is in line with that because it's dangerous to think anything otherwise. Get our foundation right so we can build and become mature. So you read about this in Hebrews 6. Now is the time for us to progress beyond the basic message of Christ and advance into perfection. The foundation has already been laid for us to build upon. Repentance turning away from our dead works to embrace faith in God, teaching about different baptisms, impartation by the laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. So with God's enablement, we will move on to deeper truths. So we have to set these foundations into place before we can go on to the next level. So we're going to have a look at these today. So the writer of Hebrews, which was probably Paul, but we don't know, he exhorts them and himself to go on to maturity in their walk with Christ. So we see that there's six foundational principles here that um, can be categorized into three pairs. They sort of go together. So you see repentance from dead works and faith in God go together. And their focus is Godward. And then we have instruction about baptisms and laying on of hands and they go together. And their focus seems to be on ritual in worship. And last, the resurrection from among the dead and eternal judgment also go together. And their focus is more about end times, eschatological, as they say. So the first pair is repentance, turning away from our dead works to embrace embrace faith in God. And these go hand in hand. Without true repentance, you can never have faith. You will have a wobbly up and down experience in one day and out the next because you haven't laid that first foundational stone, which is repentance, which is a decision of the will to turn away from pleasing self, walking in this direction, do a 180 degrees, complete opposite and say, I'm going to walk with you, God. Not my will be done, but your will. I choose to give my life to you. Here I am. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. It's a big call, isn't it? (laughs) If you haven't truly repented, it will be the source of many of your problems and your up and down experiences. You feel good one day and you have a wonderful meeting at church and then the next day you're all flat and you're down. 
is because you never laid the repentance stone. So you have unstable lifestyles which will one day collapse. And repentance is not being sorry that you got caught out, like sprung. <laughs> you can see if there is true repentance by the fruit of a person's life. Repentance is, oh, if you've not truly repented, oh, sorry, repentance is not being sorry you were caught out like a child, you know, when they're caught in sin. And sin is selfishness, let's be real. All sin is based in selfishness. If they're not truly sorry and repentant, they become angry with the person who's administering the consequences of their sin and actions, right? So with your kids, you punish them. They're angry with mum or dad that you punish them instead of actually angry at themselves that they've sinned or repenting and actually wanting to make relationship right. And that is what happens when we sin. There's broken relationship. Firstly, there's relationship with us and God. But also, because sin is selfish, it damages so many people around us. All our sins have consequences. And if we don't genuinely repent... I mean, I've seen it in, in adults and people where there's an unforgiveness toward the person that has had to administer the consequences of sin. There's not true repentance. And they're not grieving over the broken relationship because there's that selfishness and it damages relationships around them. So repentance must go before faith and belief. And we see this all through the scriptures. So John the Baptist in Matthew 1, he's there and he's preaching. He says, repent and be baptized. And he was preparing the way for the Messiah, for Jesus. And Luke 24, after the resurrection, Jesus says, repentance and remissions of sins were preached to all of the nations. This is important. This is a message before anything can be done. Repentance is always the first thing that is mentioned. And even in the church on the day of Pentecost, it says they were all together in one place. This is in Acts 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So when this outpouring of the Holy Spirit came, Peter got up and he preached the most amazing message. And the people heard this and he said to them, sinners asked him, what should we do? In Acts 2.37, he makes it very clear. He says, repent, be baptised and then receive the Holy Spirit. And that day, 3,000 people were saved. So we see here the foundation is three stages that go together. Three-stage promise. Repent, be baptised and receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same today as it was yesterday. God hasn't changed his message and his message hasn't changed. He who believes and is baptised will be saved. And Isaiah 53, 6 says, We've all turned to our own way. Not some of us, all of us. The Lord laid Jesus, this iniquity, this rebellion, he took that for us because we were pleasing ourselves and leaving God out of the picture. And that's called rebellion. And anyone that is born of man, the descendant of Adam, which is each and every one of us, we are born into that. I'll do it my way. Don't tell me what to think or do or how to live my life. And you know, the only remedy for sin and rebellion is execution. Woo, getting put to death. <laughs> but praise God, Jesus took our place willingly and was crucified in our place so that obstacle could be removed and we could build our lives and our foundation on good, even, clean, stable ground that is going to hold and be strong. 
So how do we rebel? Anything that we're not putting God first might be with our time, not having that intimate relationship with God, putting aside sinful desires and putting God and his kingdom first. Because I want to do my own thing. I want to spend my time how I want to do it. It can often be reflected in not serving in the church because we're focusing on worldly things and getting satisfaction in those areas instead of on heavenly things. It can be from our hobbies, our jobs, our relationships, just wanting a sleep in instead of saying to God, I want to be with you in your presence and in your church and serving there. Again, we come back to not my will be done, but yours. It can be in our finances. We have our money and we want to spend it how we want to spend it. Not putting into place biblical principles that God has established in his word so the church and the kingdom of God can flourish in every way that it's supposed to. And part of that is not trusting God to provide. If we give our 10% our tithe, well, how are we going to get by? Trust God. He says, test me. I'll come through for you. It's only through repentance from rebellion and sin that we're able to step into a fullness of faith. So faith is what we believe and works is what we do. So there can be a misconception that we have to work for or earn faith or worse through the generations we've sometimes been taught, earn salvation through what we do. And that's what every religion except Christianity has told us. Try to be good and if you're one of the lucky ones, you might be saved at the end. But that is not God's way. God's way is faith. If you want to... I want your faith to be counted for righteousness, then you've got to stop striving and realise it's not earned by what we do because faith and grace, favour cannot be earned. Ephesians 2.6 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from ourselves. It's a gift from God. It's not by works, so no one can boast. And I love that. Grace saved through faith. We only have faith because God gave us the faith. And we're not righteous by our works. Because a religion of works fosters human pride. Look what I did and I ticked these boxes and I did all these things. And pride is the great basic sin. So God ordained a way of being righteous that does not foster our pride. How clever is he, right? No wonder he's God. <laughs> and in complicated religions, it's almost like the more difficult something is and the more intense fasting and sacrificing and completing all these rituals they have, the more pride they have in themselves. Look what I did and I accomplished. But we know that God resists the proud. Legalistic Christians who are strict rule followers are often not loving. They're the opposite. They're competitive and judgmental. But religion without the grace of God nurtures pride. Christianity is not a set of rules. The old law consisted of 613 laws. It's impossible to keep. And you know, even if you kept 99.9% of them, you still fall short, even though that would have been possible as well. It's only through grace which we cannot earn. It says, sin shall not have dominion over you. Law and grace are mutually exclusive. Under one or the other, but not under both at the same time. 
The law put to death in Christ on the cross. If you were under law, sin would have dominion over you. The only way to escape is to stop trying to keep a law and to avail yourself of God's grace. So Galatians 5 says, 16. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. We want to be led by the Spirit instead of trying to keep the law because we can't follow both. Keeping rules doesn't make you righteous. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The strength of sin is law. The problem with us is the law stirred up sinful passions. Depends what you're focusing on, right? Don't touch her, don't do this, don't look at that, don't do this or that. Don't touch it. I was with someone the other day and the waitress put down the hot food and she goes, that's hot. And my friend touched it. It was like she just had to touch it because she was told not to. Like if you've seen the sign that says wet paint, you just have to, is it still wet? Oh, yeah, it is. (laughs) Which is something in our nature that does that. And it's what we're focused on. If we're focused on sin, aversion and avoidance, we're almost relying on our willpower and what we can do in our own strength. And I'm, don't look at that, don't look at, oh, look, But we want to have a different approach to life, way of life. We want our eyes on Jesus and our cornerstone of faith. We've got our eyes on him and we're seeing what he has done for us. We're experiencing that love and that gratefulness, salvation. We're walking in the spirit and being led by the spirit as we just read about, learning more about him and wanting to love him. And as we love him and experience his love, the natural outpouring is that we love others. When you love others, it's hard to sin against them and treat them badly as well. We want to live a life that brings him glory. I love Scott's testimony. What they're doing is bringing glory to God. You're seeing change in people. And people will ask when we're living this life, what's the difference in you? And we can lead them to a place. We invite them to Alpha. We can lead them to a place where they can discover God and the love of Jesus for themselves. And it's about a different focus, not looking at the sin, but at the Saviour, because we want to be led by the Holy Spirit and not by the flesh, the things that we want. So law works from the outside. Don't do this and don't do that. Trusting in your own ability, and that's the problem because we don't have the ability. Our flesh trusts in self and doesn't depend on God. And we can see that in the Garden of Eden. Their motivation right from the start was to be like God because then they would be independent without relying on him, right? If they were like him. They were depending on that knowledge of good and evil. And that's the root problem of humanity. We want to be like God, but we don't want to depend on God. And the essence of sin is refusal to rely on God, an attitude of self-reliance and self-righteousness. And we see that from our kids. Maybe it's just mine, but it was like, I do it myself, mine. And from such a young age, they were born that way. Someone's rolling their eyes like, that's not me. (laughs) grace works from within supplying supernatural ability relying on god to do what we cannot do for ourselves and romans 8 1 to 4 
Therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. So if you want to know if you're a child of God, are you being led by the Spirit of God? It's a good test. In Romans 8, 3, for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh but according to the spirit. So the law couldn't do it, so Jesus fulfilled it for us in our place. James 1.25 says, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we see that there's a perfect law of liberty and freedom, and that is love. And when we really love, we are totally free. Galatians 5.13 says, You are my brothers and sisters. You were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. That's what Jesus said, didn't he, when asked what the greatest commandment was, to love God and love others. In Galatians 5, 6 again, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Wow. Faith works through love, so we want to embrace faith. And then faith without love is dead. We can, have to cl- faith, we can have all the faith in the world, claim that we do, but if there's no love, it's a dead thing. Romans 13.10 says, Therefore love is the fulfilment of the law. So law motivates us through fear. And many religions motivate by fear. And it produces terrible results. Fear is the opposite of faith. But Jesus motivates us through love. When we experience salvation through faith, we discover who we were created to be and discover his plan and purpose for our life. And Ephesians, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God, not by works so that anyone can boast. We read that before, but then the next verse straight up. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we don't sit around doing nothing. We put our faith into action. It's a sign of maturity and that our foundation is getting stronger. James 2.14 What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Yeah. So once we step into faith, then we have a desire. We really want to serve God because we love him and we love his people because that's the new law that we're under, the law of love. And when we do these works, we're helping to expand the kingdom of God. And how do we do this? And Laura touched on this in the prayer meeting this morning. Every little thing that we do for God is part of expanding his kingdom. Everything that we're doing to set up 
and to create an atmosphere, makes a place where people can come in and experience salvation or come in and grow in God without being uncomfortable and distracted by things that are distracting. Everyone who comes and they are part of the worship team and the sound and all that, they're allowing the presence of God to come in and for people to experience that, maybe for the first time. Everyone who's preparing food and serving and coffees, they're creating an atmosphere and also an opportunity for people to get to know each other and fellowship. And that's such an important thing that we saw in the early church, Acts 2.42. They were breaking bread and they were having fellowship together. And we know then that we're not alone. We're sharing in each other's joys and sufferings. And we do the works because we are saved and want others to experience the salvation the love and the grace that we have experienced too, not to earn it because we've already freely received it by grace. So we do works, our deeds, and we serve through faith, but again, it's from a motivation of love. And Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. So obedience of love is progressive. You say, well, you're not perfect in love yet. Well, join the club. I'm not and none of us are yet. But it doesn't mean that and we're not accounted righteous because until we achieve the goal, our faith is accounted to us for righteousness. So we need to believe that. And as long as you continue believing, your faith is counted for, for righteousness. And this is exemplified in the words of Jesus when he's speaking to Peter at the Last Supper. He said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And he says, no, not me, never. Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. Listen to this that your faith may not fail. That's what Jesus prayed for him. It's an important thing that our faith will not fail. We make lots of mistakes. We commit sins. We haven't arrived. We're not perfect. But as long as we keep believing, our faith is accounted to us for righteousness until we arrive. You know, I still battle with this immaturity. This is something that's meant to be a foundation in our life. And I battle with this because somehow I have unrealistic expectations of how my life in Christ is going to be. It's quite an entitled view, really. Like, oh, it should be a bed of roses and everything should go smoothly. And then, hello, that's life. It doesn't. You're like, why is this happening to me? Oh, poor me. But I prayed and my prayers weren't answered instantly. And I'm not seeing, I wasn't healed and I'm not got the families and how I envisioned it was going to be. It's like, wasn't I promised this incredible life at salvation? Um, actually, let's go back to the Word of God, as I was encouraging you to do earlier, and look what he says. Um, where is that promised? Um, I don't know. I see story after story of people experiencing every hardship, just like we all do. But the Word of God is there to show us how they reacted, whether they ran to God or they ran from him. As Pastor Genevieve shared so beautifully from Jonah last week, and we read about how they grew into maturity or not through those experiences. So whether it was Joseph that we see, that we studied earlier this year and his transformation from a young, arrogant upstart to a humbled prisoner, serving with excellence in every situation, to then later on he found himself the ruler, a ruler of a nation. Or David, anointed king over Israel in his teens, but he ended up on the run fear of his life, hiding in caves for years from a jealous king who never dealt with his own issues and immaturity, didn't rely on God. But Saul took 
matters into his own hands time and time again. David trusted in God and God was faithful. You know, many who actually never saw the promises fulfilled in their lifetimes, but they lived a faith-filled life despite that. And Paul himself shared his frustration at a thorn in his flesh that God wouldn't take away. He says in 2 Corinthians 12, and listen to this, says why this has happened. Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardship, in persecutions, in difficulties. I'm still having a lot of trouble doing that. (laughs) Paul's way ahead of me. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. When times get tough or the devil tries to discourage you, push through and be found at church. This is the place he doesn't want you to be because the currency of heaven is faith. And faith comes by hearing, literally hearing the word of God. As we hear it, faith is built in our life. And when we're in his presence, we are encouraged, we are refreshed. And we hear a word, which is just what we need to hear for whatever season that we're in, whatever we're going through. And that gives us courage to go on. We, Steve and I, have always been found and will be in the house of God no matter what. This is the firm foundation that we have built our life on. And even now we're going through some challenging family scenarios, but we run to God. He has placed people around us in this community who are praying for us. They're speaking words of life into us. We receive healing emotionally and physically every time that we are in God's presence and in that atmosphere of worship where the Holy Spirit is moving. And we step forward for prayer for every opportunity. We're not, um, you know, wanting to miss out because of pride or some image issues or something like that. And you know what? As unusual and uncommon the situation we are facing is, there is someone here today who's been on the other side of it. And she says to me, Nicole, I came through this and so will your family member. I was that person and a praying, loving family received me back as the prodigal and I'm here. This encourages me greatly and it builds my faith. But if I haven't made that relationship and been vulnerable and shared that with someone, if I'd backed away from God, my faith wouldn't be strong. I wouldn't know beyond a doubt that God is faithful. He can be trusted. He is good and he will work all things together for good for us and for you because we are called according to his purpose. He loves us so much. You know what? It may not turn around in the time that we desire. Amen. Does it ever? Do we ever go? God's timing. I don't get it. But our ways and timing are not his ways. And we stand on the word of promises of God. We put our spiritual armor on and we fight the good fight because it's not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of darkness. And having done all, we stand and we continue to stand, not in our own strength, but in the power and the might of our heavenly Father and with other saints around, surrounding us and supporting us, then the devil cannot isolate us and whisper to us to take us out. God doesn't respond to begging 
and pleading or whinging and tantrums, sorry to let you know, self-pity, he responds to faith. He responds to our faith, not our need. And even in a crowd, Jesus responds to those reaching out in faith, whether it's the woman with the issue in blood or even in her heart, says, if I could just reach out and touch him, I would be healed. And even though hundreds of people were pressing and touching him, reaching out, he feels the power leave his body because faith draws the attention of heaven and she is healed. We see the centurion who says to Jesus, you don't even have to come and lay hands on my sick child. You just say the word and they will be healed. And Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this before. He spoke the word and that child was healed. And we know without faith, it's impossible to believe and to um, please God. It's not a coincidence that many things will come to try to distract us, upset us, discourage us so that we won't be at Connect Group, at church, group, um, explore, alpha, anywhere that God's people are gathering. Because that's where we'll have our faith built, our courage will come back, and you'll be strengthened to stand and fight another day. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our upcoming events and discover more about us, visit c3quinsbeach.com.au. Until next time, have a blessed week.